KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. So 2021 had no shortage of headlines or big news stories. The data intelligence company Morning Consult recently released a report that looks at the news stories that really resonated with people and those that didn't really break through from this past year. We wanted to talk about Seen, Read, Heard 2021, so we caught up with Cameron Easley. He is a senior editor at Morning Consult. This is really interesting. Give a listen. So to start, kind of describe the, give me the nuts and bolts here of this seen, read, heard report that uh, Morning Consult has put together. So Morning Consult is interviewing thousands of Americans and registered voters across the country every single day. Each week, we ask a survey, and in that survey, we'll ask people questions about how much they've seen, read, or heard about items that may be popping up in the news that week. The latest findings are based on 52 surveys conducted throughout 2021, uh, a combined total of roughly 100,000 registered voters surveyed throughout the year. Essentially, what we do is just ask people how much they've seen, read, or heard about a particular news item. Uh, We put that into a, a file and track that throughout the year. And then as we get into December, we we take a big look back which types of stories uh resonated with the largest audiences. Um, which stories were more likely to be heard um, maybe by uh, voters of a different political persuasion or, or age range than others. And just to kind of look and, and see what what these numbers can tell us about, A, how, how news consumers in the U.S. Uh, consume news, to what extent they, they hear about things that are, you know, kind of dominant stories, storylines on, on news networks, cable news in, in Washington. Basically, the idea is just that uh, you get a good look of of walking through the year, which stories resonated and which did not. Overall, what's at the top of the list for stories that resonated the most? Uh, the very top story uh, is actually uh, a story from March of this year. Uh, President Joe Biden's signing of the 1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package uh, that has uh, branded as the uh, the American Rescue Plan. Uh, almost two-thirds of registered voters reported hearing a lot about that bill signing. Direct support to voters um, was, a, was a huge, very salient topic throughout the election. And the early few months of, of, the, of the Biden administration certainly consumed with when are these direct payments going to get enacted into law. So that was something that really broke through across partisan lines. Democrats were most likely to hear about that at, at over 70 percent, but nearly three in five Republicans and independents also reported uh, hearing a lot about that bill signing. I guess giving people money will make everybody's head turn when it comes down to it. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, it sounds relatively straightforward, but, you know, as someone who is hyper connected to the, the political debate in Washington, this this finding was was striking nonetheless for me, just because we pull on a lot of, of issues and important issues, um, bills that are getting passed that really are really, really important. But most of the public doesn't doesn't hear a lot about those things. So, you know, I, I really do think the, the salience of this event 
is a direct reflection of you know how much interest there is when when direct payments to taxpayers are involved. The second story, if I'm reading the data properly, kind of surprised me with regards to not that it wasn't a big story, but just the the way it referenced kind of cut through the Texas power grid issues. I mean, they were incredibly serious loss of life and everything. I guess I was just surprised to see that that high up. Yeah. You know, one thing that uh, I've, I've come to, to recognize, uh, this is now the fourth year that we're doing this project, that you do see some kind of similar similar rhythms crop up each each year. And, you know, I think for this, for a lot of the stories that we really see uh, resonate deeply, um, they're often stories that can really extend a news cycle, um, specifically a, a cable news cycle. Uh, so, you know, I think the Texas power blackouts, while that was, you know, a mostly regional, just to some level, you know, obviously all, all of these stories start out as local news stories, but for being something that was really just affecting the people of Texas, it was just so regularly featured um, in the cable news cycle, in the network news cycle, in you know the weather news cycle. And another thing to, to consider is that weather is something that is very, I would say, you know, universal. I mean, obviously something that that pops up very much in, in water cooler talk. It's it's something that that people feel really, really comfortable consuming uh, from a news perspective and, and, and talking about. And I think you're probably seeing, you know, some of some of those dynamics uh, reflected in, in that high rating as well. You know, just to add on to the point about cable news stories, you know, the, the Surfside condominium building collapse uh, in, in Florida that killed dozens of people. You know, that was also a story with not particularly broad national implications. Um, and, you know, very much a, a hyper-local news story specific to, to one local area. That was another one that really spawned a longer news cycle, looking at what went wrong, how, how, how things came to pass. Anything that's going to draw things out uh, in terms of the media's attention, that, that's going to end up uh, resonating more deeply with voters. And also, and coming as someone from the media, how much do you think specifically the power grid and the, the condo collapse, there is the event, there is the coverage of the event, but events like that cycle off. Could it happen here? What are, is our situation and how much do you think that plays into kind of giving it a, a secondary life as outlets localize stuff like that? Uh, well, that's certainly true, Matt, and I think that's that's particularly acute for weather stories these days. You know, as we're seeing people become more and more focused on on changes to the climate and how changes to the climate are impacting short term weather events, uh, I think that offers another kind of angle um, and a and a broader, bigger picture for the media to kind of to tap into. And, and leaves a little bit more room for those types of stories to kind of just just have legs. After the another story that's in the top four there, we've talked about three of them, the Derek Chauvin trial and verdict. Uh, that one doesn't surprise me at all. No, no surprise there. You know, obviously it's it's providing something of a of a of a coda 
um, or a punctuation on you know what we also saw to be one of one of the biggest stories of 2020, the murder of of George Floyd by Minneapolis police. So um, no surprise there, but you know I do think it it's also important to note that you know again trials are another meat and drink news cycle media story. You know, you saw just incredibly in-depth coverage and, and focus um, on that trial from, from the beginning to the end, um, you, know, you know, punctuated by that guilty verdict. And it's interesting to me, uh, looking at the, the top five, and number five is the Delta variant of COVID. And I find it fascinating that you have to go five deep to find a COVID-19 pan-specific virus story. Now, the American Rescue Plan, number one, that is obviously kind of an overarching uh, because it's in response to the pandemic, but that's more, in my opinion, economic. When you get virus-specific, does that kind of talk about how we've just kind of baked in the pandemic to everyday life? Uh, I do think that that's that's part of what's going on there. Another thing to consider is that, you know, this represents one time that that we asked uh, about the Delta variant. Obviously, there are kind of some editorial decisions that that need to be made in pulling together a list like this. I would imagine if, you know, we were looking at all of the times that we asked about Delta variant and compared them with, you know, adding some of these more one-off events, um, you might see the Delta variant having more sustained salience. But another thing to consider here is that, you know, obviously COVID has been an extremely politicized issue. And we may be seeing some of that, that top line number being, being pulled down by a, a relative gap between uh, the, you know, the share of Democrats that heard a lot about it and the, the share of Republicans that heard a lot about it. Um, we find, in general, Republicans are, are less likely to report hearing a lot about any given news event, but that can be, that can be exaggerated. Uh, in cases where they're on topics that have kind of become, you know, intrinsically political. To that point, though, you look at, and I'm looking at the graph, and I love the way you guys have set it up with the different notations for, you know, what's Democrat, what's Republican stuff, and so it gives you a good feel. This also says a lot about how we get our news, doesn't it? Because a lot of these things, to your point of politicization, uh, a lot of things will go wall to wall on certain cable channels or be front page in certain publications. Maybe they're page 17 in other publications and in some cases are completely ignored on on cable news stations of a certain bent. Uh, it speaks to kind of maybe the silos we live in media wise. That is certainly a factor. You know, we see this these gaps open up the largest for for stories that uh, you know are either good news for Democrats or you know potentially troubling for for Republicans. You know the the biggest gap between Republicans and Democrats who said that they heard a lot about a particular event was on on Biden's inauguration. So you know that's not to say that Republicans were were unaware that that you know we inaugurated a, a new president on January twentieth, but you know they haven't certainly they 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 likely have have not been you know consuming any anywhere near the type of news content that that Democrats uh, would have you know on the other end of that that spectrum 
you know, maybe a, a potentially damning story like uh, the Washington Post's bombshell recording released in early January about, uh, you know, former President Trump telling Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to, to find the votes. Um, you know, we, we saw a similarly sized gap there. Democrats were twice as likely to report hearing, hearing a lot about that as, as Republicans were. Uh, we also saw a, a pretty large gap between the two groups on the, on the question of, of January 6th itself or uh, the, the death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick immediately in, in, in its aftermath. So certainly, uh, you know, we have a very segmented media environment. You know, I think another thing to consider there is, is not just the kind of type of ideological news voters are getting, but, you know, we saw an even bigger gap in, in news consumption uh, based by age from the youngest voters between the ages of, of 18 to 34 with the oldest voters that are 65 and up. And for that, you know, it's the medium is, is almost as big or, or even bigger than the kind of the, the ideological persuasion. Uh, you know, the youngest voters are, are much more likely to report uh, getting their news via, via social media, um, which, you know, may or may not be filtering down these very traditional, you know, network, newspaper, cable news type stories, whereas the oldest voters are, are you know, overwhelmingly likely compared with the younger cohort, cohort to say that they're reading a newspaper daily, to say that they're watching a news network broadcast or a cable news network broadcast on a daily basis. I'm surprised, and I want to dig in a little bit, the the insurrection, the run on the Capitol on January 6th. Doesn't crack the top 10 here, down about 15 behind such things as the disappearance of Gabby Petito, uh, and 10 people being shot at a grocery store in Boulder. And I don't want to lessen those tragedies, but this was something that really appeared to be front and center. And is that a case of, obviously, I'm sure there was partisanship built into that, but that's still that's still low for me. Uh, there, there are a couple two important kind of caveats here to include in, in helping you understand what you're, what you're seeing with, with this data. Uh, you know, what we seek to do is measure the, the real time, the, the contemporaneous salience uh, of these particular news events, but simply as a function of, you know, when we're, we're starting to, to put a poll into the field, when we're gathering information on that, there is a little bit of kind of just of, of bias that, that comes about with, with timing that, you know, may end up moving some of these numbers around. Uh, in, in slightly different ways. You know, for example, on January 6th, that was such an urgent issue that we felt we imme immediately needed to, to go into the field and, and ask voters about that, that, you know, we were, we were polling on that as early as the evening of January 6th, maybe before uh, some Americans had had a chance to uh, consume much news about the situation, and that may be resulting in in some kind of a, a bias in comparison with some of other some of these other items where perhaps a story had a had a few days um, to kind of settle and filter through the news cycle before before we tested. The second point that I think it's important to make is you know what we're looking at here in this data is is you know we don't have any any way of actually being able to to say that you know we know that this is exactly how much news these voters were consuming on a particular topic. This is self-reported, which also opens up um, to, to a potential 
for for bias. I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but we we tend to find that stories that are you know inherently political in nature or hold um, you know particularly maybe negative implications for a politician or member of a political party that that a partisan voter supports they may be either they they, they may they may not be entirely honest in in explaining exactly how much they've they've heard about a topic you know maybe they have heard a lot but they choose to answer that they've heard some about it maybe something maybe there's a little psychology going on there uh where you know you're you're trying to convince yourself that something isn't quite as big of a deal as other people are are making it out to be. And, you know, therefore you say that you you haven't heard that much about it. There are certainly, you know, some limitations to this data. Nonetheless, it's clear that, you know, at least at that at that time, it's a very, very salient news story. You also have a list at the other end of the spectrum. I want to spend a little bit of time on the least resonant news stories. Uh, which is fascinating. Um, these are, and correct me if I'm wrong, but these are stories that you've asked you asked about in real time that you got the highest responses of people saying they knew nothing about it. Am I correct? That's correct. And you know, part of this project is you know we're asking more than 350 news events throughout the year to whittle this down into an analysis. We kind of we curate that list based on things that you know we think are particularly important. So. You know, I, the, the first caveat there is that these things at the bottom of the list, they're on the bottom of the list, not for any particular reason other than, you know, as as data journalists and, and people uh, tracking current events, we feel that these are, you know, uh, objectively newsworthy events that have important implications and, and ramifications either for the for the country, uh, for a particular, you know, state or locality or, or for the world more broadly. But uh, to get to, to your point, Oftentimes, stories that are you know quite big or noteworthy, uh, it's just quite striking how how few voters actually uh, hear about them. Uh, I think this is particularly true of of foreign policy and uh, geopolitical issues that really have no direct implication that 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 it's easy for for voters to to see in their own country. For example, the the Nord Stream Two deal, which was a an agreement between uh, the U.S. and and Germany to to kind of to back uh, Russia providing oil to Germany uh, via a pipeline underneath the the Baltic Sea. Forty one percent of voters reported hearing nothing at all about that, which was second on our list of of bottom ten news events. The the AUKUS deal, also the uh, this was the nuclear submarine agreement between the Australians, uh, the 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 British. And the United States that uh, that kind of ticked off the French earlier this year, that was in the three least resonant news stories of the year. Another story with major global implications. And then you know at the top of this list, which is a story that you know is is probably the the biggest story in in Republican politics, and, you know maybe the the biggest story in politics in general is just you know former President Trump's continued relationship with, with the base. 45% of voters said they heard nothing at all about Trump calling for Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader of the Senate, to, to be removed from his leadership role. That's a, that's a story that there's not much more important 
for uh, Republican elites on Capitol Hill at this point than that. But obviously, it, it's something that when you step back and, and look at what, what Americans have heard of, it's, it's at the very bottom of the list. And also looking at this list of things that people had heard nothing about, uh, I, I see a lot of stories that I would say uh, were very popular on cable news. And outside of that audience, uh, they they fall flat. Things like Jack Dorsey leaving Twitter, the Cyber Ninjas uh, election review in Arizona, critical race theory, just to pick a few that I, I feel kind of fall under the umbrella that at times you would see wall-to-wall coverage on cable news, but outside of that, it didn't, it wasn't something you were talking about with friends and stuff like that. Yeah. I, you know, I think what you really see here and, and honestly, this, this project is a, is a great reminder each and every year that, you know, the people who are driving a lot of the headlines, um, the people who are writing a lot of the headlines, uh, they're just so plugged in to, to so many issues that really just do not interest the the median voter or the or the average American in any way at all. We see this particularly, you know, as it as it relates to Twitter, which tends to to drive you know so much of the uh, political media coverage that we see, um, and to some extent, you know, other to other types of media coverage that we see as well. And just you know, seeing that so many of these these stories. Um, some of these stories that you might consider, you know, inside the Beltway stories fail to to kind of resonate broadly. Uh, I think it's a it's a real real lesson and for for journalists in particular to really just kind of step back and and try to consider um, what what is actually Im- Im- important to a to a broad audience. And to wrap up, you talked earlier in the conversation about how this is the fourth year and you start to notice certain rhythms and and certain things like that. Are there any 30,000 foot takeaways that you've noticed over the four years of uh, people moving away from politics, more focus economic, anything kind of a big picture thing that has jumped out at you? Uh, One thing that really stands out in in this year's findings uh, is just kind of a, a down tick. In, in the largest shares, in kind of the top of the list, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, you know, 64% of voters uh, heard a lot about Biden signing of the American Rescue Plan. That was tops on the list this year. It would not top the list in any of the previous years for which we've, we've done this project. Uh, things like the, the Parkland shooting, uh, the, the death of uh, former President George H.W. Bush, uh, Hurricane Florence, or or the the confirmation of of uh, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, the uh, the kneeling protests, all of these things were would have would have placed above Biden signing of of the ARP this year, and I, you know I, I do think that does really fit with kind of an expectation and a, and a narrative that we've seen uh, with with President Trump out of office which is just kind of a, a bit of a general disengagement among the American public with with uh, not just political news, but but perhaps news in general. People aren't just quite quite so dialed into the news cycle. And, you know, maybe what we're seeing there is is some is some downstream effects from from political news fatigue. And, you know, I think a big thing that, that Joe Biden ran on was 
you know, I, you won't have to you won't have to watch watch the news every day when I when I'm president. And you know, while things certainly don't appear to be going well for him at all, uh, it, it does look to be you know one promise that that he's maybe made good on. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.